Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 276 of the ETPHD team podcast with myself and Georgia. Hi Georgia, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. I'm staying cosy with pumpkin tea, so yeah, nice and warm. Oh, pumpkin tea? What's that like? It's actually very good. It's the yogi tea that Roz and I really like and it came out in time for Halloween and um, I loved it so much. I, I bought five packs um, and it's really delicious. It's got pumpkin in it as well. Like it's actually like pumpkin um, spiced and it's the most festive thing. Uh, if I see any more, I'll, I'll try and buy some before they kind of like stop selling it and I will hand some out at the next ETPHD event because it's so good. That sounds immense. Is it one that you can have with milk? This is my question because I quite like those teas, but I always like tea with milk. That's a good question. So I don't have it with milk, but I bought some for my sister um, and she made it for everyone in the bookshop where she was working and everyone else put milk in it and really enjoyed it, which I thought was pretty disgusting, but they loved it. So I think if you want to, you probably could. I feel like I need that. They do sell them here, but I haven't seen a pumpkin one, which is weird considering you get literally pumpkin everything else it's weird that you don't get pumpkin yogi tea um i do have pumpkin spice creamer for my coffee here though that's pretty good yeah yeah how are you anna you're on mute that's that's how anna is that is how i am i thought i'd nailed it when we started (laughs) oh never mind never mind yeah that that's how i am today how are you I'm I'm good, thank you. I am raging PMS this week, raging, and so I was. Well, I tra- I, my current split is three days training a week, and then maybe I'll do then I'll do some yoga, and then I might go for a run or do like some sort of conditioning session. Depends, right? But this week with P- PMS for me personally, I've really struggled to want to train during PMS. I'm, I I am that cliche person and um so I, this morning I did like one of my condition sessions it was kind of like a high rock session which I haven't done that before and it was supposed to be 40 minutes ish but mine was half an hour because I ran out of time but also that was sufficient for me because it was really hard and also no one on the podcast is going to be able to see this but you two might be able to see this look at my back are they bruises I've got a bruised spine <laughs> from doing setups because I don't do sit-ups in normal day-to-day life. And it turns out my body can't cope with it. My boyfriend's saying, what is that on your back? I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, it's just spruced all down my spine. And then he was like, no, your spine does protrude quite a lot. And then and then, it, then I remember my sister used to say that to me. She used to say I was like stegosaurus because my spine sticks out. Clearly it does because my stegosaurus spine is now covered in bruises from doing like a total of like 50 sit-ups. So yeah, that's how I am. It's been a traumatic morning so far. <laughs> but hey, we can't do it all, you know? And my sessions have not been good recently, so I'm proud that I even did half an hour, to be quite honest. Um, okay, 
let's get cracking on the questions Georgia do you want to go first yes this is from Roz's client any tips for going back to studying and not stress eating or comfort eating using food when working on assignments etc I'd go go Georgia go for it I would say like from a personal point of view if it's if it's comfort eating boredom eating taking some regular breaks can be really helpful and I think I mentioned this maybe um a few months ago I'd been using the Pomodoro timer on YouTube and it was awesome because it had like music that got you into like your study zone um and then every 25 minutes you got that five minute break and even though that sounds like oh what can I get done in 25 minutes if it's focused work and you're not touching your phone and you're not checking your emails you can get a lot done and that five minute break is just enough to like drink a cup of tea in the garden or like go and put your washing in and then come back and do something else and that five minute kind of just changing your task I found like really really helpful for me um so I'm not saying that will work for everybody but finding something if it's like well I'm going to do 45 minutes of work and then I'm going to take 15 minute break um can be very helpful because I think sometimes we I say we because I've certainly done it myself it's like oh I'll just go and grab a snack and then you eat a snack while you're picking your snack and then you bring your snack back to the desk and then you snack for 10 minutes and then you haven't done anything for half an hour and it's very easy to get a bit more stressed out a bit more frustrated so I think being intentional with taking rest can be really beneficial yeah I totally agree whether you use Pomodoro or your own timer or whatever I like the sound of that YouTube one though it's about being really intentional with your work and really intentional with your rest and having a bit of a a plan like if you do so I like to do 45 minutes and then 15 minutes when I'm doing that and I like to think okay well that 15 minutes is probably going to be like break time 10 a.m I like to have a snack then or or something and then the next one after that I'll have just had a snack so maybe I'll have like that's going to be my tea break and then the one after that might be my movement break where I walk outside for 10 minutes um then the next one might be lunch break etc so having like a bit of a plan for each break for however long you're doing it can be quite helpful um and having like things like teas so pumpkin tea or I'm trying to find peppermint licorice tea here and I can't find it anywhere it's driving me bonkers the yogi one I've not tried the yogi one I've only ever had the pucka one but they don't have the yogi one here it's even better it's even better than the pucka one okay I feel like where I live is very hippie there's like a lot of hippies druids witches live here it's great like it's very stonehenge kind of glastonbury vibes so if you want like crystals in your tea whatever you want like i can get it for you i sent some to ross i posted some to her in australia and apparently i didn't know this is a thing but apparently it's a big thing i think she said it was all right i'm gonna say heroin because i don't know drugs but i'm pretty sure it was heroin it's a thing that english (laughs) yeah I, i honestly i'm just rubbish i'm such a good girl um but yeah, apparently a lot of English people post post heroin in tea bags to Australia because it's a really big scene in Australia. And so I sent her these really nice teas wrapped up like really nicely in this bag. And when she got it, it looked like it had been punched open, torn apart. <laughs> and there was like no explanation at all. And then, yeah, her sister was saying, oh, it's because it came from England. And they probably thought that you were like smuggling drugs. So, yeah, just in case I was ever going to do it, I learned my lesson. Um <laughs> But yeah, apparently yoga tea is quite hard to get hold of. So what I'll do is I'll go into town later and I will stock up on crystals and all the yogi tea. And then whatever you guys need, I will be your supplier. Yeah, get yourself a wee side hustle. 
get yourself a wee side hustle little Etsy shop <laughs> yeah it is weird here I think it's the licorice that they don't love because not only do they spell it wrong here but it just doesn't seem to be accessible so yeah point being get yourself some teas get like because sometimes it's about like you're doing it because you want to distract yourself right and and actually you're not hungry so having like a, a warm tea can both be soothing um and calming but also will distract you so if you're again we're talking like if you're not hungry right we're talking about avoiding snacking and stress eating as opposed to avoiding eating let's make that one clear it's very cute they were all hugging our mugs as well like on screen and we were all just like mm, tea <laughs> <laughs> needs must um okay anna go for it uh when trying to challenge foods but there's calories on everything what reframes do you suggest or any other helpful tools i'm really really sorry to be that person but could you please read that again when trying to challenge food rules but there's calories on everything what reframes do you suggest or any other helpful tools mm. I think you'll be surprised yourself when you realize that you don't actually have to look at it like there's a couple of things people will say well if you've counted calories before you will never be able to stop counting calories one untrue you you'll surprise yourself at actually how not easy but over time you do just forget to think about the calories in food but two just because something's on a label doesn't mean you have to look at it like I, I wouldn't I, what did I have for breakfast this morning I've not really had breakfast I had a potion shake that doesn't really count okay if bagels I got yesterday right I couldn't tell you they're actually oh they're so good everything bagels and they're ginormous I got everything bagels and blueberry bagels and I'm just I'm just in paradise with my bagels and my carbs. Anyway, I don't know how many calories they've got. They've got them. They're on the label somewhere. I just didn't look at it. And just because it's there, like start to call yourself on when you start to look at it and maybe have some sort of pattern interrupt or habit swap where you go to check the label, but every time you go to check the label, you, you, let's think, you smell the food instead or you put the food down or you um I don't know think of something slightly different that you can do in that moment that is not checking the food label um because you're not you're not a victim to automatically doing it for sure you might automatically do it um but that's a habit that can be changed I think as well like it could be I completely understand it can be really hard when you've got that history of calorie tracking um and, and counting and that awareness of what's in food anyway um but if there's alternatives that you can go to like the bakery section of a supermarket that typically doesn't have it or going to like an independent cafe rather than Starbucks for a coffee or a food again because they're unlikely to have these things so that when you can almost kind of work past the fear of having the food and then it's like not even a thing having to consider calories and then when you feel a bit more comfortable then it might be like yeah do you know what now now I can try going to Starbucks and having a cinnamon as well yeah and also if you're thinking of reframes for it um you can you can change the way that you think about calories in your mind and think okay how energizing is this food like how much energy do I get from it um 
do I do I feel like I need something that's a bit more energizing right now and is it helpful for me you know if you're in a restaurant and it's written down the side do I want something that actually is a bit more um energy dense because I, I want to feel more energized or or not that can be a step away from thinking about calories as being something in and something out like some kind of trade-off or bargain all the time and actually thinking about well there's there's like nourishment and part of that nourishment is also energizing my body like and I don't know I think maybe sometimes just relabeling something can be helpful I think that's such a good idea and I suppose on the same sort of premise of that even as a stepping stone transition point can you look at the labels and look at oh, does this have enough protein that I'm looking for or does this have protein carbohydrates and fat does it have all of these things in there because again that's what I'm looking for in terms of a nourishing meal rather than looking at the specific amounts can you just see that they're okay there's there's enough nutrients in there to support me like that reframe okay um how to continue recovery and healing after support from etphd I like the idea of having two plans in mind having okay here's how things are for me right now and in an optimal week I do x y and z and it supports my nutrition my movement my mindset and then having a a plan b or like a shit hits the fan kind of plan of okay right my optimal week can't happen because I'm stuck in traffic or working late or whatever's going on. What can I do to support myself this week that's genuinely quite manageable that keeps me ticking over? And it might be two weeks or three weeks or four weeks where I need to keep to that. But knowing that that's good enough and having like a almost like a micro habit. So if you can't do your usual movement, can you maybe not in this weather, but can you take a cup of tea outside and walk around the garden while you drink it that just gets you some fresh air and some movement? Um, If you don't have the time to make all of your usual meals, can you order some things in that just literally go in the microwave and have some snack snack things handy so that you're not trying to set yourself up to be perfect and that's how you have to carry on, but allowing yourself this sort of um, wiggle room for what your ideal week is and then actually like what you might need to do when life kind of happens as well I think the reason like one of the reasons that that coaching works so well and you you have clearly you know got to the place that you have got through coaching is aside from the methods and all of the work that you've done is the accountability right accountability if you've struggled with your relationship with food for a long time accountability really is the thing that's going to change you from um being unsure and kind of dipping in and out to seeing lifelong change so when you finish the coaching process consider how am I going to support myself with some accountability that Roz would have provided for me before um, as Ross's client. So maybe you do like a weekly check-in with yourself where you use the same sort of questions that you would use um, as an ETPC check-in. You write them for yourself or maybe you pick three things that you're going to reflect on on a Sunday and then three things that you're going to focus on this week and write them down in your journal and have that little bit of accountability with yourself. And maybe you've got someone in your corner who you like to talk to about this stuff and maybe you say like, this is what I'm doing. Sometimes I'll say to um, my boyfriend or 
like maybe one of my friends it's usually not one of them but I'm like okay like I, I want to train this week or I'm gonna train this week even though I feel shit like make sure tomorrow that I train and of course they're not gonna make me but it's more just like and it's not me forcing myself or punish myself it's like I know that's the compassionate thing to do is train even when I'm like like this week when I can't be arsed um and so having a little bit of external accountability in some way with someone you trust can be quite helpful too I think Georgia this one sounds like um an essay question as from one of Roz's clients consider how exercise may be used as a form of escapism it totally does (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, I think that this, 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 we could go, we could take a paragraph each. Um, it could go in many directions here, right? One way that exercise is used as a form of escapism is because usually you can't check your phone. You are probably not, although in some cases you are, but you're probably not talking to other people. You're definitely probably definitely probably not talking about your like your biggest problems in life like work you're not really doing that you're if you're even in like a social situation and I don't do social sport right but I know that when I've seen social sport people are generally laughing joking like like they have light-hearted conversation they're not like oh my god like Brenda at work or this happened at work and it's an absolute disaster they're not talking about light-hearted stuff so I think in that sense you're almost giving yourself an hour-ish where you're not thinking about all of the stuff that's going on in life, you're escaping that part of life. So I think on a, at least on a surface level, that is one reason why it's so effective in terms of that escapism feel. Mm-hmm. I actually got really angry with myself when I was like replying to messages in the gym the other day. I was like, no, this is your time. And and that for me, like I, whatever I'm doing, whether it's, to be fair I find obviously like the yoga classes or yoga whether it's class or at home I can fully switch off I do struggle in the gym having that that same kind of level of escapism um but I do I do love it I think that for me is is my time to just forget about everything for a little bit mm. yeah and in conclusion um <laughs> <laughs> I also feel like you can use exercise to it's going to sound like I'm raging whenever I'm exercising I'm not but you can use it to kind of help with your mood as well so if you felt frustrated by something or if you've been feeling stuck or like my brain hasn't been very creative if you go and do some movement sometimes you can get rid of that feeling of stress um or frustration and I tend to have my best thoughts in the gym and I'm like or in the shower I'm like I can't write anything down um but I feel like your brain gets that kind of um step away from reality of everything else that you're doing and you actually get to kind of feel a bit more like at ease and back in your back in your creative side of your brain and a bit more um or they might be out of breath a bit more comfortable in your body in general um yeah and it's self-regulate yeah it helps you regulate too like it helps regulate your nervous system and using yours yoga as example like you might upregulate with some strength yoga vinyasa yoga but you might downregulate with some yin yoga for example um weight training might bring you up um and vice versa but i think so i think in terms of that escapism too it's like you're just not think it's just you're not thinking about 
your present day life and if you're if you're getting like I'm the same as you Georgia like some of my best ideas when I'm running and I'm in nature and I'm like you make your mind just has that time to go to go off on one um sorry to add to the in conclusion in summary um okay <laughs> Anna question uh how to make a routine of mindful eating slash pausing slash breathing before meals as much as I want to do it, it's like my brain switches off for the meals. As I know it's still within calories, but I really want to get better at implementing more mindfulness. Any ways to make this easier to do? Mm. We're, I think we're all kind of a little bit, mm, because... The, the key a key way to support behavior changes to stack it with to stack a behavior with something else habit stack it and with taking like being mindful before a meal you habit stack it onto your meal that's that would be a way that I would encourage you to develop that habit you might find it easier to actually um wait habit stack it to something else or so maybe when you're setting the table that's when you you do your mindful breaths and then you serve up your dinner or something like that. So you're, so it's not solely attached to that meal because sometimes I think when you sit down with your food, you're just like, I just want to eat. So I wonder if you could separate it just a little bit when you're setting the table, sit down, do your mindfulness, whatever that looks like for you. Make sure that you're not having this, you're not over-egging it. And you're like, I need to do like five minutes of mindfulness work. Realistically, when I'm thinking about encouraging people to be, take some mindful ground of breath before a meal it's three breaths it's not it takes 30 seconds to a minute max it's not this big thing and I think sometimes you can create it you can build it up in your head it's like okay this is a big habit that I need to build and I'm going to be mindful and realistically you're taking some breaths and I'll do that before meals I think sometimes thinking about too like no if the out the external kind of habit changes things don't work for you can you think about it from the inside in the sense of this morning when I didn't have time for breakfast and I was drinking on my protein shake when we were on the meeting and I was before when I sat down before the meeting I was still like really sweaty from the shower I was still like kind of out of breath from my training session because I hadn't stopped and I had one sip of my protein shake and I was like I know that my body is like is very sympathetically dominant right now this is not a good time for me to drink my protein shake so even when I was setting up the zoom I was like okay just take some deep breaths before we start the meeting just take some deep breaths and come back down also that's going to help me show up better in the meeting um but it was driven not by a should before a meeting a should before a quote-unquote eat um but it was driven by my body feels on edge my body feels too hot my heart rate is, is high like my stomach is tense my spine is bruised like I need to do something that is going to allow me to digest this food properly so maybe like and I'd say that's something that you've moved through after you've done the habit stuff but can you before a meal just check in with your body instead and if you feel that tense weight it's like oh that's a reminder to do those breaths and come back down a little bit I'm just going to pick out this bit that says as much as I want to do it, it's like my brain switches off as I know it's still within calories. So with this client, we have, um, we worked on relationship with food and to restore her cycle. 
um, and she's done incredibly well. And now we are, we've brought trekking back in as she's focusing on fat loss a little bit. And I think it's really important to remember, like, even if you are tracking and you know that that meal is going to hit all the boxes that you need to hit, it's not a reason not to pay attention to how your body's feeling, because you might find that that meal doesn't leave you feeling full. And actually, maybe you need to kind of switch meals about and uh, so you can feel a bit more satisfied or maybe it's do you know what, those foods actually don't leave me feeling the greatest. And maybe particularly because I'm dieting and I need to work on that like satisfaction factor, I can switch it about a bit. But if you're going in with the mindset of, oh, it's not really something that I need to be paying attention to. And it's almost like a tick box exercise in, in, in that sense. Like now is a really, really great time to be even more mindful, I would say. Mm, you're so right. Like mindfulness is not about just about overeating or just about your hunger and fullness cues it's also about getting your body in a like your digestive system is predominantly ruled by your parasympathetic nervous system like you you want to be in that state to help with your digestion also it's going to help if you're dieting it's probably going to help you with your hunger a little bit also if you're dieting you're probably not eating as much as you would like sometimes and so you actually want to enjoy the food and it's got nothing to do with the calories or tracking like these things are still really important I don't, I think it's Georgia. I'm just moving one question away because I want Lynn to do that question. Go for it, Georgia. Okay. Um, I am starting to think that my pretty much lifelong disordered eating has caused me to somewhat abandon my body. I believe this has led to gut issues and I've recently noticed that my abdomen area is fairly constantly tense. I go to yoga, I practice mindfulness, but I still don't fully feel like I'm relaxed in my body. Is it going to take me many years to develop? Interesting. Got a great question. Ooh. It's very hard to be what you were just saying, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's really hard to be relaxed in your body when you're someone who's busy and working and you've got like a high pressure life in some way and you've got stress and you're not probably going to be quote unquote relaxed in your body a lot of the time. Something that I really like to do and I encourage my clients to do is to just train yourself in taking belly breaths all the time. Because honestly, patriarchy, let's blame patriarchy for this, has convinced us, like, I don't know about you two, I'm intrigued by your thoughts. I think I spent about 25 to 30 years of my life no let's see maybe from the age of I don't know 13 to the age of 33 walking around pulling my stomach in without even realizing I'm walking around pulling my stomach in and that's why why are we doing that oh because we need to look like we've got a flat stomach why and when we do that we like our diaphragm can't fully contract and relax our breathing is more shallow we're less connected to our bodies we have this quote-unquote tense feeling in our midsection and something that like I still have to be intentional with it now because when you do deep belly breath your belly protrudes of course it does I'm doing it right now and my belly is protruding but it's supporting my feeling of being connected to my body and relaxing and I wonder if you could for the next week you could really focus through the day 
on breathing all the way into your belly and keeping a really soft belly. Whenever I'm teaching meditation, that's always a cue that I'll use in every single class. Like soften your belly, soften your belly, breathe into your belly. Always, because I know everyone that listens to my meditations are people that have that slight disembodiment or have maybe that dysfunctional eating background where most of the people probably are from that place of holding a lot of tension in our midsection. So that really sounds really, really basic, but actually I find it quite transformative. I think I mentioned it a while ago when I've been reading that book, Unwell Women. Highly recommend. I still need to do the post on that. But that again was talking, you know, about the the ways that patriarchy has impacted women in health. And one of them was like wearing corsets and like, no wonder everyone was fainting all the time. Like women weren't weak creatures. They just couldn't breathe. So the moment that, there was anything that elevated the heart rate or they need to take a breath they couldn't they just pass out <laughs> sounds ideal really isn't it wild isn't it wild yeah. like we're lucky that our clothes are not well actually some of our clothes are doing that sports bras that come down to your belly are doing that like tight yeah gosh do you know what helped me it was powerlifting when um I put the belt on and at first I did that exactly that for me like racing was like oh, oh and tight and then I remember the coach I was working with he was like no you need to uh you need to like make pressure by expanding so you take a deep belly breath so your stomach pushes out and like creates this big um kind of like safety net around your spine and I was like what and I was always like breathing up here like it's a little lung breath then squeeze it in and he was just like you are gonna pass out would you please take a deep breath and I was just like oh and we practiced it you know like from squats to deadlifts but even like in benching he was like I need to see your stomach move when you breathe and I was like this is the strangest sensation ever but it's actually quite refreshing because I feel like (laughs) getting a lot of oxygen in and like now when I'm running I'm like this is great it's so much easier when I breathe who knew who knew who knew (laughs) I am going down a slightly different route and it might be something that you work your way up to it might not feel super comfortable with, uh to do initially but I do it myself if I'm feeling like a little bit bloated or just a bit uncomfortable in my stomach and it was something I learned um when I did massage course and when I when I was massaging other people when I when I explain you'll see why maybe a lot of people didn't want it doing to them but like a gentle stomach massage so you kind of do like um index and middle finger and like little circles like almost like a clock face around your belly button like really light pressure and it can help with digestion but it's just a really nice quite soothing thing to do and you can do it as like like I said, a clock around the belly button, but you can take it out as wide as you want. And um, it might, like I said, it might be something that you work your way up to and you might just start with some massage like along your palms and forearm. And then when you're feeling a bit more comfortable and connected with your body, then it then it might be something that you focus on around your stomach. But yeah, just, and when you're doing that, again, focusing on sending your breath there and just really helping with the connection on that side of things. I was just doing that to myself there as you were talking. It's nice also because I've got raging PMS like the day before like the lower half of my stomach that was really enjoyable feels like an absolute solid thing so the wee massage is like ooh, that's nice well I like you're welcome that. <laughs> I do that in the bath that would be a retreat 
be yeah sleeping. yeah bath or just like I love doing it while I'm lying on the sofa just yeah nice nice tip and me me let's go with me and your Oz's question how to be more consistent with habits how to know when it's okay not to be or when to be strict with yourself uh, how to be more consistent I mean habit stack like we said where you can but I think also uh, explore why there might be some resistance or avoidance is it just because it's something new and like give yourself a bit of grace except that that's the case with any new habit but if it's because yeah do you know what journaling makes me feel really uncomfortable <laughs> yeah it will <laughs> lean into it and that and then it's a case of kind of the first self-compassion and and making it as easy as possible to begin with so rather than saying I'm going to do 10 minutes journaling every day okay can I do two and building it up to to something yeah I would I would do something similar like check in with the challenge level of the the habit because sometimes with the best will in the world we think yeah that sounds really doable like this is great I can focus on this but then when it comes to it perhaps it actually needs to scale down for a little while and be like a micro version, like you said, um, so that you can over time kind of progress that habit. But also I would, um, and again, we don't know who this is and I'm just kind of guessing, but check in with what you consider consistency to be because sometimes when we think, oh, I need to be really consistent with this, we think, well, consistency is sort of like 100%. If I'm not doing it every day, then I'm not consistent. But actually what, if you've never done this before, doing it twice a week for a few weeks could be consistent and then you could build that up maybe you're doing it three times a week until eventually it's something that is daily and then it's kind of automatic so I would just check in with again if it's an all or nothing kind of feeling that you have if you're saying like should I be strict with myself here it's telling me that maybe you you might beat yourself up from time to time just check in with like what your definition of consistent is and also like what are you setting out are you going from zero to 100 or are you saying consistency this week is actually just doing it and practicing it once perhaps Mm. I'm going to kind of say almost the opposite whilst agreeing with everything that you've both said in that sometimes to build a habit is actually easier just to do it every single day for a week or a month and then pull it back because then once you've done it every day doing it three times a week is easy and I've definitely um, had clients that have found that way to be easier not with brand new things but say for example I'm working with someone and they're like I really want to do yoga but I just keep avoiding it for some reason I'm doing like one a week and my goal is three a week and for five minutes three times a week and I just um, maybe just get one I'm like okay well for the next two weeks you're going to do five minutes every day so they'll do that for two weeks because it, they put it into their schedule at the same time every day. And then after two weeks, it's like, okay, we'll just do whatever feels right for you. And they'll usually go down to three week, three times a week and it's easy. So is there, there, is a, there is space for that for some people in certain situations for sure, right? The other thing is, um, I think that, what was I going to say? I think journaling around it can be quite helpful. Like in the morning, can you send five, spend five minutes of like, okay, what am I going to promise myself that I'm going to do today? What commitment am I making myself today? And at the end of the day, reflecting and saying, okay, I did this, this, and this, I ticked these off. There's, do you know what? There's, I think ticking things off on your to-do list is massively underrated. It's great. 
it's great when you've done stuff. And I don't mean like getting bogged down in, in hyper productivity and achievement based worth and all of that stuff. Again, know yourself when I'm when I'm saying this. But for some people who struggle to develop habits in general, having like every, a quick morning check in of like, okay, today I'm today I'm gonna go to the gym and I'm going to go for a walk outside and I'm going to meditate for five minutes and then at the end of the day just checking in okay why didn't I do that it's because I waited until after lunch and I know that I don't train after lunch okay so tomorrow I'm going to train in the morning like that type of thing is basic like behavior change stuff and again for some people it can that can become a bit obsessive but for most people that's actually really helpful way to just ensure that you're doing things that you committed yourself to doing um and then the other thing is like thinking about okay well what if if I think about if you're healing your relationship with food right and you think okay what would it look like to have a healed relationship with food okay that would look like actually meditating most days okay so can you embody that person today can you wake up and be like okay I am already a person with a healed relationship with food okay, that means I'm going to do these things. And I think sometimes picturing yourself as that future version of yourself, having already done these things can again be quite helpful rather than, because a lot of the time, if you're doing this work, maybe you struggle a little bit with your self-worth, maybe you struggle a little bit with your self-belief. And so adopting these habits where you're at right now can feel almost like incongruent or kind of like, oh, that's not, that's not what I do. That's not me um but envisioning yourself as your future self of what that might look like it might feel less incongruent and easier to to do Georgia yeah um okay I'm on the start of my ETPHD journey and please don't get me wrong I am fully psyched for it and I am trusting the process However, I'd love to hear your thoughts on imposter syndrome. I really struggle in all parts of life when trying new things to not feel like a total fraud. Sometimes I do all the things I'm supposed to, but I feel like something doesn't click inside me, which makes me feel like I'm playing a part rather than embracing something new and exciting. I recognize that this usually leads me to quitting things or bouncing to something new or different instead. Do you have any tips or tricks on how I could make myself feel more of a sense of belonging within change stop looking for a sense of belonging within change <laughs> honestly <laughs> nobody feels at home in change like we can get more comfortable with it to some degree by accepting that everything changes but I don't know about you two but I still don't feel great about change I don't even if it's something that I want I'm like, mm, no, then I'm losing something that I've already had and I'm losing that safety net and, oh, I'm not really sure. And um, it it for sure can hold you back, for sure. And um, I've made decisions in the past based on this and, and I've reflected on them and thought, did I make that decision based on the fact that I was scared of change? Possibly. Was that the right thing? Who knows? Um, I did an episode on imposter syndrome on the ETPHD Mentoring Podcast, episode number 19, and it was all about imposter syndrome. So definitely, definitely listen to that. Um, But everyone knows, like, I'm kind of at that point with imposter syndrome now where I'm like, you know what? Mostly ladies, because it's mostly women that I speak to about this. You're going to feel it because you're doing hard things. And if you don't, if you let your imposter syndrome stop you from doing stuff, someone who's less qualified, less experienced, and will do less of a good job than you is going to take your space. 
whatever space that is, whether it's work, romantic life, travel, whatever it is, if you don't do it, someone else will. And you're going to wake up at 60 and be like, that really wasn't that scary. Like, it's a sign that you're doing something like that leads to progression, leads to growth. And it's an amazing thing. And if you didn't feel it, you'd be pretty stagnant. And if you want to be stagnant, that's fine. Like, there's no pressure to push yourself beyond where you're at right now. None, if that's a choice. But recognize that when you're choosing not to take action, you're choosing to stay where you are. Again, that's fine. But... It sounds to me like you want to change in some way. You want to do something different. But right now you're just, right now you're letting your fear stop you from doing anything at all. And we all feel fear. We all hate change. We all have fear. We all feel like an imposter sometimes. The successful people, the people that get what they want from life are the ones that go, oh, I noticed that, but I'm going to do it anyway because I'm being brave. And the people that don't get where they want are the people that let that overcome them. And I know that that's trivializing it. And I know that sounds really like almost dismissive, but listen to the podcast because I, well, I'm i not just being dismissive. I'm speaking from someone, speaking from experience as someone who has had crippling, crippling social anxiety, imposter syndrome, fear around doing so much stuff. And personally, I worked really, 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 really hard and still do to overcome it. And I just want to highlight, like, we all feel it and we all have to work really hard to get out of it. But it's a choice that you get to make and that's great. You know what I I love about this one as well, because that question um, is a few weeks ago that she um, asked that question. She was a few weeks in. And um, what's quite lovely to see is that she actually had been following our podcast and all of our team for years actually and then she was just like oh I'm gonna start and I think what she had perhaps struggled with was implementing some of the things by herself but as soon as we started coaching within a couple of weeks that went away and everything that didn't click for her before is clicking in so comfortably and she's like oh it's strange this is easier than I thought it was gonna be and I was like yeah because actually you were ready you'd taken it all in you'd soaked it up you knew what to do and it was just having someone keeping you accountable and like not trying to do it all at once mm. yeah she's flying now love so that it's it really cool to see that change because I know when I read that question I was like oh hey it's you <laughs> oh I love that I also yeah. think there's a lot to be said for having someone that believes in you mm-hmm. you know like with our clients we genuinely believe in our clients and people that we work with and when you struggle to believe in yourself it's always nice to have someone else it's like no no like you've got especially with coaching like we know so much about you on a deeper level than even some of your best friends might and so when we say we believe in you like we say that based on everything that we know which is such a deep level of stuff um, and I think that can be quite helpful too Anna uh, when you've recovered from HA how do you find a balance of not having to eat as much uh, increase exercise but not lose your cycle again will I always have to avoid dieting and more intense exercise to be healthy with my cycle we answered a very similar question to this two podcast episodes with Becca I think um so we did go into it in quite detail there in short no you'll not be able to not diet or rather yes you'll be able to diet and to just have to taper things up and taper things down accordingly um, and not rush it. Everyone rushes it when they get, when they 
get the period back. Oh, I've got one period. I've got my period back. No, no, like we want three to six regular cycles before we say you've got your period back, um, which is frustrating for sure. But it's the best way to move through it. Yeah, I think I was having a conversation with a client this week because she was like, I'm going to have to be completely honest with you. Please don't please don't be mad at me. Uh, she's just had her first cycle. And this week she was like, I, I hit a bench PB because I'm just feeling so good in my body. And I was like, that is fantastic. But <laughs> and she and she knew. And it's so, so hard when you have done all of this work and are feeling so strong and full of energy to go yeah I just need to keep things where they are right now mm. it's wild the impact of estrogen on your strength training yeah <laughs> like I think this is something that people forget with HA2 of like you don't realize how good you're going to feel in your body when you've got estrogen and progesterone and you and things are at a level where they're kind of optimal you're going to feel stronger you're going to feel sexier you're going to feel more energetic your brain function is going to be improved and you can't quantify that until you get there and you're like oh and did you guys have this moment I would love to hear your your experience of this like where you go oh this is how this is how you're supposed to feel in your body like this is what it feels like to feel good in your body do you remember did you ever get to that point where you're like oh this is this is what it's meant to feel like I remember it vividly, like a certain time where I was, it was way after I thought I'd recovered my relationship with food. It was like a year or so after that. And I was like, oh, this feels great. I think I've had, I've had two where it's like, oh, this is what it feels like to be like properly energized and properly like, almost, almost like feel healthy. Do you, know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? But I think in terms of kind of, body wise it was more so the realization like oh it just I don't it's not a thing for me anymore like I haven't paid attention to how I'm looking for well like I'll check myself in the mirror but it's not like a make sure I look 100% before I leave the house like and that for me was like wow okay that's freeing Mm. I think it happened during lockdown for me because I wasn't (laughs) like I wasn't dyeing my hair because I couldn't be bothered to go to the shop and get any it wasn't important enough I didn't bother wearing makeup because I was like I'm not actually leaving the house anyway um and I think I was just although it was a stressful time like super relaxed and I think we were just finishing up working together actually like um Amelia you and I and we'd done like a a dieting phase and come out of it and I kept saying like oh yeah I could just do fat loss again it'd be great it just wasn't happening when we was like oh do you know what I'm actually just not bothered like (laughs) it's not that I don't care I was like I genuinely don't want it enough I was always people where I'm actually like just really comfortable really happy I don't want or need to do fat loss and I think that was when I was genuinely just like oh this is what it's just like to just be cool with where I am and not need Mm -hmm. to change anything or want to change anything just be like yeah this is nice it's wild isn't it it's wild yeah I think like I feel a little bit like I've become a little bit and I use the word addicted loosely it's not an addiction but I have got to the bit where I've almost got a bit addicted to like feeling well fueled and feeling like I'm recovering well and 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 I don't mean in an orthorexic way I just mean like in a 
I don't like training fast. Like I, I like to, I love the feeling of being really well fueled in training. And I love the feeling after training of like eating loads of nutrients. And it feels really like, I don't know, like I don't like to be hungry anymore. Like a little bit hungry, fine. Of course, before you even have a meal, we expect you to be a bit hungry, but like that feeling of being a bit hungry for too long, I'm like, oh, this feels very disrespectful towards my body. And it becomes really like enjoy- an enjoyable process to kind of nourish yourself in that way. Um, but I do think like that's to some degree, like when you're coming back to the question in terms of HA recovery, like it, you, you, I wouldn't expect people to be there when they get their period back straight away. Like that's not what we're saying. And, and if you listen to what we've just said, you know, it's years into working on our relationship with food, maybe even after we quote unquote heal our relationship with food that we have that moment of like, oh, interesting. Um, and it's not that you haven't succeeded in something because you haven't reached this point. Um, just for reference, we're just it's just more anecdotal stuff. And is it me? Mm-hmm. Steph's question. I think that guilt is often the driving force behind a lot of my stress, i.e. guilt for not working hard enough, guilt for being a bad partner, um, sorry, guilt for being a bad partner or daughter or friend. I realise this is not serving me and is not helping me to feel better or indeed do better at any of the above. But how do I stop feeling so guilty all the time? Oh, deep question. Good question. Anyone? <laughs> You're working on that one in therapy. We'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is where obviously the self-compassion work is really going to come in in accepting you're human and it's okay that you aren't working hard all of the time or you don't finish everything on your on your to-do list and I don't know whether like we know that self-compassion has a soothing impact it switches off the stress response I don't know whether like I'm assuming guilt, shame probably does switch on the stress response. So if you can start thinking, okay, well, I know that this is feeding into the stress that I'm uh, I'm feeling. So I need to actively practice like switching that off and actually having like a go-to compassionate statement that you can say to yourself might be something that you can use in the moment when you notice the, the kind of stories that you're telling yourself around not doing enough. What remember ages ago you, you did a real Anna about not my circus, not my monkey, not my circus, not my monkey. That's what <laughs> yeah. it's my head there and went and before you even said that self-affirmation <laughs> thing. Um because we are conditioned to take on everything as women, we're conditioned to take on everything as stuff that we have to fix, that we have to do, we're responsible. We're we have to we we don't have to, we choose to take on other people's stuff. And so when other people have issues or struggles, we feel guilty that we can't fix it. And a lot of our guilt comes from not being able to do everything and us martyring ourselves a little bit. What I find quite helpful is that I find martyrdom really unattractive in people. And some of the people I love most in the world would have martyrdom tendencies. And I find it really frustrating. I have martyrdom tendencies. I'm like like, shying in the way. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. But it's not, it's not, I don't like it as a quality. And yet I do it myself. And so something that helps me with this is like reminding myself of like, 
that's not a quality that you admire. So let's be more mindful of it. And it comes up a lot. And I get a lot, my guilt for me shows up more so around like family stuff. I've worked hard on like self-compassion, but I definitely think for me, that's where I have. And, and, um, like a bit of a personal thing here but when my little brother was diagnosed with cancer I spent some time in Scotland and I remember feeling guilty if I left a sink a dish in the sink I'd feel guilty if I left a crumb on the bunker the tabletop I would feel guilty if I was spending money I was feel all of this stuff it was the worst guilt that I've ever felt it was wild and I, and I talked about it in therapy and stuff and there's there is no rhyme or reason for that guilt other than an overwhelming feeling of that that I couldn't fix this thing and so it because I couldn't fix it some the, the part of me inside of me that was like I need to fix everything for everyone felt guilty that it was failing and so the guilt was coming out and leaving a cup in the sink ludicrous right and that's an extreme example of this but I do think like awareness of where it's showing up for you and like what do you feel guilty for like darmal on it like what do I feel guilty for I feel guilty that um, I'm a bad partner. Okay, is this thought or is this fact? Okay, if you were speaking to your daughter or your mom about how they show up in relationships, would you call them a bad partner? Or would you say you're a human being and these things, like everyone, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a bad, a thing that a bad partner would do. Obviously I'm excellent, so I wouldn't know. But like thinking of something like, I don't know, that you, that you didn't want to do, right? How would you speak to them? And that's obviously a huge part of compassion um but also I think reading around like this patriarchal conditioning of women of having to do everything for everyone and be selfless reading untamed I saw in the shop the other day um untamed have like there's like a, a book of journal prompts according to untamed maybe you look at that maybe that's a Christmas gift and you get curious about where all this stuff has come from because this is not your stuff you've taken on stuff from society or from other people and you've taken it on as your own and it's about how do you I think how do you shed that stuff how do you let that stuff fall to the wayside and I mean like we're all kind of laughing about it because we all feel it to some degree um, and awareness is just one part of like moving through it and I don't think any of us have got to the point where we never feel guilt for things that are not ours to feel guilty for yet but maybe we will one day yeah I think the only thing I'd add to that is that a lot of the time like guilt is like this word and we just kind of use it to describe a feeling but we don't really think about what it means and usually it means like I think I've done something wrong and actually just understanding like like you were saying with the cup in the sink if you ask yourself at that point like what's wrong about leaving the cup in the sink you'll unravel what the story is and it's got nothing to do with the cup in the sink and if you feel guilty for not not working enough if you ask yourself like well what's wrong about what I'm doing and you're like, well, you know, I'm only working an extra hour after work when I come home. In reality, like, it's different now, I know. But like, back in the day, you would leave your office at five. You didn't even have a mobile phone. You'd drive home. And that was it. You were uncontactable until you were in the office the next day. And like, no one felt guilty for it back then. It's just perhaps you feel you should be doing more. And that's something that you can kind of, like you guys said, journal on. But I often think... Guilt is like a judgment of having done something wrong. And yeah, just being clear on that can really help get rid of it because we can be like, actually, there's nothing wrong with having my dinner and resting for the evening. Mm -hmm. Love that. I actually text Anna last night because this is my first full month with my boyfriend where I've had PMS. And 
I was like, how do you deal with being miserable on PMS week? And it was because I felt guilty, because I felt guilty that I wasn't like, like all unusual self. And I felt guilty that I just wanted to watch TV and I felt guilty that I was like, just constantly hungry. All of this stuff is ludicrous. And I text Anna and I was like, what are you supposed to do? And she was like, it's this, it's the them problem. It's a test for them to see if they can get through it. It's not about you. I'm like, okay, great, I'll do that. But it is yeah, what I, I nearly replied. <laughs> and then I was like, I, I, I don't know how, how this will happen. But in my head for me, I'm like, potatoes, gonna potato. So <laughs> like, just let me be and everything will be great. So yeah, but you're, that, that is the right answer. And yet we feel guilty for it. It's ludicrous. Um, okay, thanks everyone for the great questions. We're going to leave it there. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you did, please do feel free to like, share, subscribe and review. And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.